from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Harkless with eight on the clock straight away. Comes down the left side, spins, throws the ball to Gilbert, right side for a three. It's good! Keyshawn knocks it down, and the Rebels have a three-point lead, 47-44. Now Iwako knocks the ball away. It's stolen by Harkless. Harkless passes underneath Iwako. Iwako back to Harkless on the left side. A three for EJ is good. 50 to 44 Rebels, and they've gone on a run. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Five o'clock hours here. Here's some UNLV highlights on the way back. John Sandler on the call there. We'll get to the Rebels, running Rebels, and their victory last night. We have an update on the Lady Rebels. They're playing over at Cox Pavilion, Utah Valley. Big start to the game. Should be a final pretty soon. They scored 100 the last time out. So they're off to a good start. Last year, 26 wins, NCAA tournament berth, and then a first-round loss on the road against Arizona. By the way, a reminder, right now, we're going to talk a little basketball, but if you want to hear uh, the inside dope on the running Rebels, every Wednesday, 5 o'clock, Kevin Kruger radio show goes down on Raider Nation Radio 920. If you want to watch it in person, if you're driving home from work right now, stop off at the Orleans. They're inside Bailiwick, so go check it out. Audience is there, rocking and rolling, talking basketball. So 5 o'clock, you can hear it uh, right now and every Wednesday on Raider Nation Radio 920. UNLV Lady Rebels 44, Utah Valley 23, with about 6 left in the third quarter. Some headlines at 5, and we'll get to more of this as we have a uh, convo with Bryson Stott coming up, who was actually at the Thomas and Mac last night, and he'll talk about his support for UNLV. The now Philly infielder. He'll talk about his support for UNLV in that conversation. Um, speaking of the Las Vegas Phillies, Bryce Harper. Looks like he may have to miss some of the season. Not exactly sure on the details of this, but you know, he's got a, a UCL injury that he's going to get surgery on in the next couple of weeks. And right now, details are very hard to come by. That would kind of blow if he's out for a decent portion of next season. Missed a good portion of this season, came back in a fury and was awesome in most of the playoffs. So I hope he's okay. Hope it's not a long absence. So Rebels last night, good atmosphere, Willie. Very good atmosphere. Bryson Stott came out on the floor at the start of the game. Got the the crowd kind of hyped up. And while, listen, there's, you know, VGK is rolling right now. It's got winning ways from its very... Outset here in Las Vegas, so a bad game for VGK is for like 14,000 to show up, but you know, pretty much every night there's 17,000 plus. UNLV is trying to convince people to come back. Last night's game helps. I don't know if a lot of people recognize you know, Dayton as some gigantic win. They were number 21 in the country. They are a top 30 Ken Palm team, so it's a good team. Probably a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament out of the Atlantic 10. Uh, we'll break down the game here in a second. I will tell you that it it hits me every once in a while because it's been such a lull here for Rebel basketball. Just how big potentially UNLV basketball can be again because the freaking excitement last night on social media over this win over Dayton I was like, wow, okay. Well, there are a lot of people. People may not be coming out to the games, but there are a lot of people who see this and they're like, all right, let's go. Very fired up last night. It's technically correct and fired up over the win over Dayton, but it's that it was a nationally ranked team. Yeah. 
It's it's that UNLV beat a nationally ranked team. Right. That that means something. That oh, what? Your eyes are open, ears are perked. Right. You're all, we're on alert. What's going on? So now, Golden Knights on a two game slump. It's early in the season. Right. It would be nice to say that in about a month, yeah. uh, the Lady Rebels and Running Rebels are off in. Yeah, you know, he has a chance to get some good wins here. They're not going to play anyone else of, like, gigantic name, but they're playing a lot of teams that are, you know, top two or three in their conference and have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. They could match up against a Big Ten team in Minnesota at the San Juan Capistrano Challenge. They have to beat Southern Illinois first. They're going to play Washington State here in town. Right now, that's a top 80 team in Ken Palm. Southern Illinois, you know, we can beat them, the Salukis. You know who, you know who beat them? I just re- I just read about this game. Brand new to the Division One ranks, Southern Indiana, which is playing at Notre Dame today. Southern Indiana went to Missouri and challenged the Tigers, then beat Southern Illinois. And I noticed it's just because they were they were catching fifteen from Notre Dame, and I was like, wow, well, maybe that's a nice little play there. They're going to get to in state. Anyway, you, you heard Southern. Yeah. You said you said Southern Illinois peaked my. Yeah, so they got to beat them because it's not going to be an easy win. In Southern Illinois, I know you just mentioned they lost to Southern Indiana, yeah. but they had uh, already filed away a victory at Oklahoma State. So there's good competition coming up. Uh, no, you know, giant banger names. So we'll see if they can pile up some wins as they put this thing together. And I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not trying to be a downer, Debbie, but I'm. I want to express what standards should be. Because mm-hmm. I talked to someone earlier in the day about the game last night, and they're like, "Oh, I guess it, I guess it was a good win." Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to throw a blanket over the win, but listen, this program brought in five guys from Power Fives and Jackie Johnson from Duquesne, right? And I, I actually, I, I thought EJ Harkless very much reflected my attitude on the win. It's a good win, but I actually think it's a win you should get at home when you're a four point dog. It's a win you should get. These should be the expectations. Teams shouldn't be able to come in here. Listen, if it's freaking a top seven team, if Gonzaga comes in and you beat them, you know, and you're getting 17 points, but there's a zone in college basketball, which I think UNLV is in and can be in every year, where about 15 on down to about 100 in Ken Palm are basically all the same teams. And it's just how... You know, those key moments go, if you're consistent, if you stay healthy. UNLV's had talent over the years. They've just had some bad luck with coaching departures and injuries. Last night's win was good. But I'm going to say, Willie, last night's team, Dayton, came into the game without their point guard. Right? That was a big deal. So what I expected early on was, this is a big Dayton team. It's time to wreak havoc and make them go small or punish them. For being big. Now, what do they do in the second half? They punish them for being big. In the first half, I thought they played a little bit intimidated. They didn't play aggressively enough. They got crushed on the boards, right? Oh, they're big. Big team. At the half, halftime interview, I talked to Kevin Kruger, and I'm like, hey, do you have to go double big here? And he gave me a look like, get them out of here. He threw his head back, and he's like, no. He's like, we have to get more ferocious. We got to work harder. Like, basically, like, our guys are big enough. And he didn't, he didn't want to say this, but you could also say size is not everything on the basketball floor. Just because someone, just because a front line is 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", doesn't mean they're all good and skilled. 
You could also have six six guys who outwork them and are more athletic, and that's what happened in the second half. But that was a Dayton team without their point guard. You got to get that win. You have to get that win, and they got it. And how did they get it? By freaking outworking Dayton in the second half, gassing him out, and they turned him over again. They turned a team over 20-plus times. They punished them for being big in a lot of college basketball, and this is what UNLV is facing this year. UNLV built a team that has size, but it's size on the wings. And if you want to play big against them, I'm going to speak as, you know, as you know, UNLV's attitude, then we are going to run you friggin' ragged and you better take care of the ball because otherwise we're going the other way with active hands. And that's what they did last night. So really good win, but the bar should be raised in terms of expectations. UNLV, if it's going to make the NCAA tournament, Willie needs to win games like this. Okay. So did I sound negative there or just, Hey, my expectations are you got guys from Ole Miss and Oklahoma and freaking multiple guys from West Virginia, you got experienced guys. They've already been in this. They've already been in this fold. <laughs> Harkless after the game was like, uh, you know, the, some of the media is like, oh, the great win against Dayton, you know? What does this mean? And he's like, yeah, it was a good win. He's like, uh, now we file it away and we move forward. I love that attitude. Are you done? I'm going to keep asking you. What do you think, Willie? <laughs> no, because I after the game, I was like, But you repeated God. yourself two, three times. My I got God. it. I got it. it. Number, it's, it a game, a, it's a game they should have won. Let me tell you they, why. They should have, yes. Let me tell you why the excitement should be there. Right. Okay. Yes, it's a team that was laying four points, so that's a team that UNLV should win on its home court every year. It's not Gonzaga. I got it. Here's the problem, and here's Willie why, hates long here's radio why rants. it should be. Willie hates staples of sports talk radio. No, I just, it's just, I'm just, I just get a kick because you repeat the same thing with different words. Here's the thing UNLV hasn't been doing that. I know. So that's why it's a big deal. In years past, it wouldn't be a big deal. It'd be like, yeah, no, UNLV should go ahead and spank this and win this game outright. But they haven't been doing that. So that's why it's a nice little staple. Mark Wynn for Kevin Kruger and this program where it's at right now, and it's a very big deal. You are absolutely right with everything you said. The problem is this program hasn't been doing it. Wow, that was short and sweet. Well, I could repeat Ar- it all Ar- in was t- ready with to different to vernacular. I don't know, man. You know what? I just I study off the guy who makes $12 million a year and Stephen A. Smith who repeats himself over and over and over again to hammer home the point. And we have new listeners every two minutes. So, uh, But good win last night. And I thought Harkless came out as an absolute alpha, as I've been predicting. Uh, Curtis Terry said it nicely during the game. Uh, Harkless has kind of an old man's basketball game to his game, right? A lot of it's below the rim. He was super effective. So really good stuff. And fans should be thrilled. And I hope they start coming out. And, you know, they they should have expectations. And this is what Kevin Kruger's trying to build. You want to be a top-four team in, in the Mountain West Conference, which, by the way, I think is going to be a good conference this year. New Mexico appears to be back. They got a couple of big man transfers uh, in from the uh, Casey Ruse and also from Wichita. And those guys last night went for, I think it was 33 points and 17 rebounds. And they also have uh, the sons of Jamal Mashburn mm. and Eddie House. Nice. In uh, Mashburn Jr. and Jalen House. They're back. They're very good. So imagine a Mountain West with San Diego State being awesome in the top 20. Wyoming being very good. I think Utah State is probably really good. New Mexico could be good. There's seven teams that are three and zero, and UNLV, yeah, and then Wyoming two and one. So why are you all? Why are you looking at me like? Did I say the Mountain West wasn't good? No. Who's, who else is three and zero? 
No, when you started talking about the teams, I just I just hit Mountain West Conference right. standings. I was looking. I was like, wow. I mean, a lot of them are playing the Williams. Regardless. No, 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 that's not, that, no, no. That's not. It's not regardless. Well, I mean, if, hey, there's seven teams, three and oh. I mean, we also have to qualify who they beat. Well, UNLV yeah, just no, beat a good it. team. It's very early in the season. Right. But I'm just saying they've started off where, you know, they're winning. Yeah. San Jose State is three and oh. Yeah. I think they beat Alcorn last night. So I would I'd calm down on that. But I, I named the teams and then Boise is another good program, and Nevada has a chance. Nevada's got some impact transfers in, although they got some injuries. So the Mountain West could be very interesting this year, and it would be really cool you know, if the Mountain West Conference Tournament had six or seven teams that could compete for the title, and the semis would get back to you know an attendance night. You know That Friday night was always great about uh, six, seven, eight years ago where you'd get 15,000 to the building. Hopefully they're back there. Would you say with the players that were brought in, the culture in which Kevin's sort of instilled – um, and this is a lot of this is now his team. Uh, what's in place? The culture. That's a big talk we hear these days, right? The NIL, the culture. Um, it's somewhat like Lindy's first year because she her culture was immediate, but that it's got that same vibe. It's a there's a feel good vibe with the culture. Would you say that that that's there? It's early, mm-hmm. and I think they're bought in. I think they know why they're here. Mm-hmm. And and Kruger said it last night. A lot of the guys who were on this team who played for Power Five teams, and another guy I didn't mention was Eli Parquet from Colorado. Uh, he was saying, "Hey, most of those guys when they got playing time early in their career, they played defense. That's how they got it. So they don't have a problem playing defense now. They all play defense. And guess what? If you don't play defense, like Jackie Johnson, who's a freaking you know could be a lefty, you know Vinny Johnson. Remember him, the microwave, mm-hmm. right? Jackie it's, Johnson could be the microwave." True. But you got to play D, and Jackie Johnson in the second half didn't play a whole lot, so he'll he'll get the message like you got to D up. Everything on this team is going to be about defense. I like it, just the way it's going to have to be. I like it. I like it too. And guess what? Winning doesn't mean winning in popularity uh, doesn't mean you have to score eighty points a game. If you get a grinder team that works hard, yeah, it's a good fast break team, beats the crap out of another team and averages sixty five points a game. People will show like up. Like those old school Georgetown teams, John Thompson, intimidating. That's your that's a, that was your neck of the woods back in the day. Well, I thought you were gonna say it was my era. Like you're gonna try to date me like I'm no, much no, older no, than no, you. No, no, big you East. remember Big East basketball? I I don't. Well, me I Willie, I don't. Yeah, it's we remember it's the big old East days. Basketball. I don't remember that. Huh? We yeah. remember Big East. You're like I remember you Louis Carnesecca and the. I sweaters. remember the days of Patrick Ewing Jr. Pat Pat Ewing's a little too old for me. Easy Turbo. Settle down. All right. So what's the latest now on uh, Fantastic Jobgate? Mark Davis the other day quoted as saying Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. It's going to take time. And that it's going to take time. And now you're getting annoyed because McDaniels is talking about, we knew it would be a build. Oh, we knew it was going to take some time, he said. you know, But which is, it's BS. Yeah. It's BS. It's BS. You did not go trade for Devontae Adams. Um, you did not. Put the roster together that you put together. Um, granted, we did sweat him a little bit about the offensive line, and he said, no, this is normal. This is normal. We rotate 15 guys in and out to decide because we're never going to use the same five guys. Well, you surely haven't, but this was normal. Um, running back by committee, you know, arguably one of the top three tight ends who's now on IR. Hunter Renfro, last year's leading receiver. I mean, you don't put this roster together to build to, to that it's going to take time. 
You expected to challenge for the playoffs. You expected to challenge for the AFC West crown. And you know what? If you tell me that you always knew all along, the mindset was, no, we knew it was going to take time. We're building. And you put the, you invested the money that you invested to compete in the AFC West. Then you're all, you're all clowns. Sorry. That just doesn't to say that it's a cop out line. It's a cop out phrase to use at this point in the season at two and seven. You're using it to cop out. The fact of the matter is, you did not think it, the only thing that was going to take time was everybody learning this system. When you have the now injured reserve tight end Darren Waller on record, whoever it was, whosever article it was talking about how it's complex, we're still learning it. Takes time to learn the system, but at the beginning, everyone getting a grasp of it. Everyone's going to be involved. Six Super Bowl rings, learning this system. We brought in several Patriots, right? How many Patriots were brought in to teach, to be there? It's not working. There is division in the locker room, there is dissension among the ranks. I'm not sure where the breakdown is because nobody's being honest at this point, but the bottom line is everybody's lying. Everybody's lying. The only I'll tell you the one person who I believe because he comes out there every single same face, same I believe what Devontae Adams has to say. I like Devontae Adams. I think Devontae Adams is one hundred percent he's just, you know, straight laced. I would like to know I think he's got his boys back, but I want to know what he thinks about not necessarily the emotions. The emotions were real. I will stand by Derek Carr's emotions. He came out of that locker room. He was emotional. I get it. That's all genuine. But the snitching and the subliminal and the this and the that and the leaking of the that, if it's him, eh, I don't know. I don't know if Devontae is buying into that. Boy, getting him in a real conversation away from microphones, that would be real interesting right now, I would it? I love it. That would be great. It's not his style. Maybe, maybe just to talk but not to be sourced, not his style. Coming up on the Rangers, we'll get more reaction on uh, what Carr did on Sunday. Yeah, it's still going. It's still going because the players are having to answer questions about it today. And then there's a report. I'm not exactly sure that this is the best source on this one, but we'll throw it out there that uh, the Raiders will be stuck with Josh McDaniels, if that's the way you look at it, <laughs> stuck with Josh McDaniels for a while. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Josh Allen puts Gabe Davis in motion, and Davis is behind Allen, and he tried to push him. He didn't get out of there! He didn't get out! He did not get out! That's a safety! Give it to us! Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Yeah, there he is. They call him PA. I think he calls himself PA. Um, in Minneapolis, Paul Allen, excellent play-by-play guy, mega Vikings fan, us. Mm-hmm. Us. That was a great play. That was a great play. What a, what a turnaround in an NFL game when it looks like the Vikings are not going to score and then Josh Allen and the Bills offense can't get the ball out of the end zone. In fact, drop the freaking ball. For a touchdown. So Vikings Radio Network on that call. Boy, oh boy, how about uh, Horowitz? New to the market. 
play-by-play job for the Raiders taking over for uh, Brent Musburger. What a season he's had a call, right? His first season uh, in the National Football League. It's been it's been real interesting. So we got all this drama. Man, I did not expect this. And it's been it's been a very drama-filled club since they've been here. But I did not expect this, and most of it's because of the losing. But I guess I shouldn't be surprised by Derek Carr, you know, getting all emotional and then throwing out the barb at the end about guys aren't working hard. And Caleb Herring, former quarterback at UNLV, one of our football insiders, he came on earlier and he was talking about Carr, and he just he didn't like what Carr was showing from a leadership standpoint. I did not see good leadership. And that what he did was create a divide by saying some guys are willing to do these things and put these put these things in their bodies just to go to sleep at night. I'll never unhear that. The way he said that, he's talking about somebody in the locker room that's not willing to do it. And I don't think that's good leadership. And at a time like this, where your franchise kind of in disarray, yes, be emotional, show that it matters. But once you start throwing guys under the bus, so to speak, at the podium, it becomes a different thing. That took away any sense of authenticity of his emotions that were pouring out at that point. I didn't buy it. I, just being honest, I didn't buy the production. I didn't buy the tears. I didn't buy because the message was lost in, in the finger pointing. I know you've lost a little bit of the message over the last couple of days, too. You were in the room, and uh, everyone, well, lots of people were overtaken. I mean, one guy tried to save him. Hondo tried to save Carr in the middle of uh, what he was talking about there. So you could get wrapped up in the emotion of the moment, but now that you've you step back a little bit, you hear more of the message. Well, Monday you and I went back and forth and kind yeah. of bickered a little bit because I felt that I, it wasn't clear and concise that it was a player, yeah. that it was a coach. But if what we're hearing is correct in that the rumblings of who it is, and I'm not saying it is, so don't take this and run with it. What I'm saying is that if, in fact, Derek Carr is leaking or insinuating or saying without saying that it's Darren Waller or he's dropping names in general and he can't come out as the captain and just say who he wants to say and keep it in the locker room. I got a problem with it. Yeah. I do got a problem. I don't have a problem with him breaking down. You can't control your emotions. And now we got a whole situation. Yes. And listen, Derek is Derek. Right, so he's gonna. There's gonna be times he's gonna do stuff like this. There's, you know, there's gonna be a message there. And I'm not gonna sit here for one second and say, "Hey, Josh McDaniels has got to control this." No one has been able to really control that. There are things Josh can control, but he's kind of getting hit from both ends. He he's he got the car making allegations that guys aren't putting in full effort or doing what they need to do to play. Then he's got his owner saying fantastic job. So then people are jumping on him for that one. Now you got people outside the market speculating, you know, is McDaniels going to be gone? And even more so like people are like, why isn't he gone? Okay. If you're here in the market, then you understand the Raiders. You understand Mark Davis. You understand what led up to Josh McDaniels coming in. This was a massive wholesale change that started with, the NFL getting after John Gruden and forcing him out of the organization. So Davis put a lot of time and research into making this hire. A bad nine-game start, as bad as it seemed, is not going to convince him to freaking blow the whole thing up again. And, you know, I got questions out of Kansas City today from our, uh, you know, one of our media buddies. Soren Petro sent over a story that I guess, 
I think this is these quotes because it's a, it's a it's a tweet from a guy Dove Kleiman, but he seems to be quoting Bill Plaschke, which I have no idea if Plaschke has any connections to the Raiders at all. But here's how the tweet read: Report. The reason the Raiders won't fire Josh McDaniels is financial. Okay, that's not the only reason. I just explained some of the reasons to you. This was a massive change. Where's the report? Where's the link? Is there a link? The reason the Raiders won't fire Josh McDaniels is, quote, they don't have the money to fire him. The team is, quote, cash poor and can't afford to fire McDaniels and then pay another coach. According to Plaschke, he'll be the coach this year and next Stop. It's it's Just stop. probably true. I don't know about the cash poor thing. Not the cash but, poor. But thing. what is what is the logic of pulling the plug right. on a nine game season with a new regime with a quarterback who they kind of told you they may move on from at the beginning of the season with their contract extension, which wasn't really an extension. It was just a little extra guaranteed deal. extra guaranteed money tacked on top. So they're not getting rid of him. It's not and, cash and do I poor. do I believe that could could Mark Davis come up with the cash? Yes. To still deal with whatever he's got to deal with on the Gruden payout. Get rid of these two guys and then go make a run at another coach. Yes, he can. Right. But that is not like that's where you get kind of a smear job like Mark Davis, no money. Well, yeah, because, yeah, this is where the people run with it. You take it out of context. Report says this. All of a sudden, this is now people are going to start relating back to the uh, during the Aces season when Floyd Mayweather was there and in the back, like, oh, Mayweather's there. He's one of those partners that we were talking about. Magic Johnson's going to be a partner. They got to bring in Magic and Floyd to save. Stop. Stop. It's ridiculous. I mean, one of the most recognizable logos, one of the recognizable shields. In the world of all the sports, it's not cash poor. It's just bad business, and he's not a bad businessman. Maybe he's made bad decisions, bad hires. I mean, he didn't make a bad hire in Sandra Douglas Morgan. You know what I mean? He's This is a situation. In a way, Devontae Adams' quote is absolutely correct. Yes, in a real world, it's going to take time with a situation like this. It's, it's everything else that's sort of taken place in bringing in these big names signing these big contracts with big expectations and now playing catch up with what you're saying, your cop-out excuses. But it's a terrible business decision. It's not as if nobody wants to be strapped and having to pay John Gruden his contract, Josh McDaniels and who and you know in, in his contract and whoever else goes. I mean, other coordinators are going to get jobs, but of course that's it's 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 not as if he can't afford it, but why would you put yourself in that position? It's like it's like saying, okay, well, let me just go ahead and get, oh, I'm pre-approved? Okay, well, let me get another credit card. I'll just stop using this one, and I'll just, but then I'll just go use this one up. Well, now I got four maxed out credit cards. I mean, the analogy's there. You got to ride it out at this point. This point, I mean, why not? Screw it. Just keep doing what you're doing. In the back of his mind, screw it. And then you're going to end up with, with, with in the, a decent draft pick. Or three, once you trade Derek Carr. <laughs> well, I'll finish up on the point of the way back. Because uh, this whole thing about McDaniels being around this and next year, um, if this is a complete collapse and a rebuild, it's not going to be just this and next year. Trust me. If it's a rebuild. Oh, it's going to take some time. Oh, it's, 
You're, you're dealing with this for a while. Giveaway time. Two tickets. Saturday show coming up this weekend. John Fogarty's in town today through the 19th. Encore Theater at the Win. Ticketmaster.com is where you can grab your tickets. One of the legends of music performing his uh, CCR stuff and solo hits. John Fogarty. John Fogarty is in town at the Win. Ari's got a pair right now. 364-1100. Caller 7. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Yeah, it's funny. We were just going through uh, some of that news that we just mentioned about L.A. columnist guy talking TV head dude, uh, Plashke, claiming that I mean, I don't think he ever said he said it on one of the uh, the ESPN shows, the Around the Horn show. I'm saying right now that Josh McDaniels will be the coach this year and next year. Raiders don't have the money to fire him to pay him off. They're cash poor. Um, who knows? That's uh, that to me. That's like old '80s, '90s stuff, where you know you're in LA and you're going to throw out these claims without knowing what you're talking about. And here's the thing: Mark Davis can't retort. What's Mark Davis going to do? Drive up in a Cadillac? To, well, not a Cadillac. Whatever. You know, go even more. I love Cadillacs, but go even more expensive. What's he going to come out and you know have a bunch of cash and you, eh, you know, a cash gun? Hey, I got money. That's his. That's his private car, though. That right, sits out front of the locker. Like right? as an owner, how do you even answer that? Like I'm rich, dude. If it, I want, if I want to get rid of Josh, Josh, it's like you, you can't even, you can't even fire back on it. Silly. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an ignorant comment. Right, and it's make. again these takes from outside the market. Like you got to fire him. I tell you what, tell Re- you what, Bill. Relax. relax. Tell you what, Cover Bill. your teams in your market. Listen. Worry about Cronky and what the frig is going on with the Rams and you when know, you their, can afford- their, their franchise, which is uh, paying the bills now for the past years. When you can afford to go to Piero's, then come on in town and go to Piero's and sit down with Mark as he sits there whoa, 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 whoa. for the third don't, or fourth time. Don't flex your Mark muscle here. I like third this. or fourth time. Well, everybody knows where he goes. He, that's, he loves that restaurant. Third or fourth. He gets to Asabuco. He goes three Actually, or four times. does he? Uh, no, he goes. He goes three or four times a week. I mean, not that that means he's not cash poor, but I'm just right. saying. It's, Willie it's didn't a, want to flex his muscles on uh, knowing what MD orders. I don't know what he orders. Oh, you know, I thought he had a favorite. You have a favorite. The whole menu is good. Okay, I thought you had a favorite. I thought you had something that was off menu. You're that kind of oh, guy. You're an off menu guy. Yeah, no, I can't say that name. Sorry. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I can't say that on the air. Willie does an even better show where he gets to go on long rants and no one interrupts him because I interrupt him. Throw the flag on Saturdays, 9 a.m. at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. He grabbed Bryson Stott for a conversation this weekend. Long conversation. We pulled part of it. Uh, here's Bryson talking to Willie and Gooch about you know how COVID was a big challenge, and now he's made this advance to the majors, and you know all of it was a little bit delayed. Yeah, I mean it. It was uh, not a good time for for anybody, and um, just kind of moved everything back a year so um i mean that that was the worst part for for me and and guys in in my position was i mean you want to get to the big leagues as as fast as you can and um something like that happens and it kind of puts everything on hold and um you just kind of lose a year and um you get a year older and everything like that so um just kind of going out and, and doing my thing on my own was was big what was the sense of pride like playing for not only a sports town like Philly, right? I mean, in knowing that Vegas has become such a pro sports town. Yeah, I mean, we would just kind of talk about it and just see all the, the support we were getting back home. And, um, I mean, like you said, Philadelphia is, 
is, I mean, I think the best sports town in, in America and uh, playing for them and then seeing all the uh, support that we were getting from, from so far away in, in Las Vegas was, was really special. ESPN Las Vegas were speaking with Bryson Stott, Philadelphia Phillies, and Las Vegas local. And growing up in Vegas, you know, obviously during the summertime, it's 120 during the summer. And when practice would be over, how would you find time to get more work in? Because obviously you had to be putting in more work than everybody else in order for you to have the success that you're having. Yeah, I mean, just kind of going to to D.O. and and playing for B, you were playing nonstop, so... Um, the 45, 50 games in the fall and winter and then um, our spring season and then the 60 to 70 games in, in the summer. Um, it was just nonstop. And, um, I mean, you were playing every single day. So if you ever felt like you were you were off or, or whatever, we always had cages open and, and stuff like that to go get that extra work if you needed it. Speaking with Bryson Stott of the Philadelphia Phillies, former D.O. and UNLV star and a member of the USA Collegiate Baseball team. So, Bryson, um, one of the things that we kept bringing up also during the postseason was your relationship with Bryce. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's big. I mean, I don't know many people that, that get to play with one of their best friends at, at the highest level. So um, just kind of knowing you have – I mean, obviously we got to the field and – um, we were teammates and treated every teammate the same and um, all that, but just kind of hang out off the field. And um, I mean, I lived with them and <clears throat> I lived with them in the playoffs and um, through those last couple weeks of the season. And um, just kind of having your best friend um, to, to hang out with and kind of disconnect from, from baseball was, was huge. So, Bryson, I want to talk about the, the story that sort of went viral. You leaving the NLCS tickets for the Phillies fan who lost his father. You know, there's a lot of people that don't understand why that touches your heart. Yeah, I mean, just kind of um, losing a best friend at, at such a young age. And um, obviously we're in high school and, and you have all these, these big dreams. And, um, I mean, Cooper said he was going to the NBA and, I was going to MLB and um, just kind of hearing him say that his his kind of last one of his last messages to me was um, big. Knowing I'm the the one that's gonna be around to to hopefully make our dreams come true was was big and uh, yeah I saw his that guy's tweet and um, I mean I know how bad and, and how much you go through when you lose someone so close to you. Um, I mean, I'm in a position now that, that I can help people, and um, I mean, I have the platform to, to do it. So, um, I mean, I never really lose, lose sight of um, how bad cancer is and um, just kind of getting it out there to, to everyone in the world to, to see. And um, I think cancer is a, a thing that um, kind of sometimes gets, gets overlooked, and um, I mean, I try my best to, to make sure that doesn't happen. And, you know, it was kind of cool. We're speaking with Bryson Stott, ESPN Las Vegas, throwing the flag, Gooch and Willie. Hey, what, last night on your on your Instagram story, where were you last night? Watching your alma mater. But more importantly, you're turned into the fan that of your sister, a three-time national champion cheerleader, Bree, cheering last night for the Rebels. She's back for, I think, her fifth year. Um, picked up her COVID, you know, her option uh, option year on that. And uh, But I love the fact that whenever you get a chance, when you've been back, that you're right there like they are for you. You become a fan of, of Bree when she's cheering. 
yeah, I mean, I think it's just um, the least I could do. And, um, I mean, it's just a drive for me, but they were taking six-hour flights and <laughs> yeah. um, sitting through airports and, and taking Uber Uber rides to, to fields and um, doing all that for me. So, um, I mean, it's just an easy way to to pay her back. And, I mean, I know she loves it when, when we're all there watching it. Um, I mean, I, I sometimes just catch myself watching her do her backflips and, and stuff rather than, than the game that's on the field. So, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. Very cool story. The stats, you know, true Las Vegans, big UNLV people, and now uh, Bryson success at the highest level. And, you know, in the midst of that, we were in the middle of that, you know, kind of hit on a tragic story without naming all the names. Right. His uh, best friend, Coop, who they every year it comes around the the date that he passed, Coop forever, um, on his deathbed, you know, in his last days, he, you know, told Bryson, he said, don't give up on your dream. You're the one now. You're you're going to go play Major League Baseball. You're going to do it for us. So he's never forgot that. If I'm not mistaken, his first minor league, his first AAA home run was, it was, I, I believe it was on Coop's birthday. If it wasn't, it was on the day that he passed. But one of the two, I remember that was 2021. So very cool. Um, and he's just overall, we've talked about this. He's just... He's just a real, and this is what Greg Maddox told me uh, when I wrote the story before he got drafted. He said the thing about Bryson is that he he's already got the right mindset. Like he's he's not he he knows who he is. He knows how good he is, but it's never going to get the best of him. He's always going to have the pos- the right mindset. To he's coachable. He's just he's grounded, and he knows what he's got to do to be successful. And you know, it's that family aspect, and it really it starts at the we see, I use that phrase right. It starts at the top. His mother comes from Shanna. I mean, his father played quarterback at, uh, for UNLV, Derek, but his mom is at everything for everybody, and that includes her El Dorado kids. She's an educator in the Clark County School District. She's been nominated for Teacher of the Year before. So, I mean, just that loving family aspect from him, uh, from her, and then the siblings is why he's going to be phenomenal. Today after Cofield and Company, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Kessel to the right point and Petrangelo, another empty net try, score! The Sharks have added a second empty net goal. It's Mario Ferraro with his first goal of the year. And it's 5-2 San Jose. Now... Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Bells will be ringing the glad, glad news. Oh, what a Christmas. I knew someone else on the show liked the holidays. I love the holidays. I know you sure. do. I know. I love Christmas. I've already watched two. I've already like, like talked into my remote at home to, yep. to request specific movies to watch. I still have not put up the lights outside. Yeah, but you decorated your house. I did. We I did that. Even, we did that five days ago. But the lights. I haven't even vacuumed. The lights. I gotta get. I have to get on a ladder and like soon. Do you want me to call my ex-wife and get her a six-pack and some tap? She did sound very impressive. <laughs> you gotta throw that out again. She's she's taking the tap for the pain afterwards, or she's just numbing herself to the whole situation. I, I think it's just kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Because you do know when you get older and you start climbing ladders, like if you're not a laborer, See, and God bless all you people, God bless my father who did that stuff until he was like you early 60s. I'm not married anymore. I get it. This was in 2000, like right, I keep five asking or six. you questions. You're like, I don't remember. No, 2005, 2006. It was yeah. 17 years ago. I know. Okay, we were in our 30s. I just figured you'd come up with a funny line after telling the story on Monday. You'd, no, no. You'd no. nail it this time. No. No? There's no punchline. The punchline is is it. The punchline is you need a lot of Lorotab just to numb yourself from the whole thing. Well, punchline is that. I mean, I can give you I, a lot I, of wifey material here the, if you the want me to lob you softballs. No. Are you lefty or righty? Turn the right way and I'll start throwing you some real meatballs to bang out of the park. There's Come on, so ex-wife much, material is great. There's so much loaded in that just alone. Look at he's lefty, getting all worked up. His hands are getting all... Lefty, righty, banging, and wife. There's just so much in there right there. There's so much loaded. That's what I do. Uh, so in Denver... Imagine being a member of the Broncos, but you know, more importantly, a Broncos media member or a Broncos fan, and seeing everything that is coming unraveled in Raiders land with their former coach, Josh McDaniels. This must be a friggin' hoot. Yeah, can you imagine the me? I, I mean, I'd love to be asking the questions. They asked uh, Coach Nathaniel Hackett if he has any hatred in his heart for the Raiders. He said, that's a good question. You're trying to get me riled up there, aren't you? And he laughed. The Raiders, the Raiders have. I've been on a lot of teams. I've been around the Raiders a while. My dad coached for the Raiders a little bit. That was a unique family situation. Just always having them around in the division, stuff like that. The Raiders are a great organization. They've been around for a long time, and I'm excited to go play them. So he held back. Safety Justin Simmons, on the other hand, is in revenge mode. Is there a desire amongst the defense to return the favor up the Raiders through a 32 spot? Me, personally, I don't like the Raiders. That's just a part of me here for this is year seven, now playing in those games, playing against those guys. I don't really like them anyways, but on top of that, yes, it sucks. I didn't play that game either. They've had success prior. This one is going to be important for us to go down, especially at our home field, and set the tone. Kind of sounds like Timo Meyer and the Sharks. It's a rivalry. You play in the same division. You've had heated games. It's a rivalry. You do understand the coach, with almost no equity, has to refrain from talking trash about the Raiders. If he's there for a while and successful, then he can play into the rivalry. Well, I don't, yeah. You know what's funny? I don't think Josh McDaniels would ever play into the rivalry. Like you would have to win at like Belichickian level for like five years to then start crapping on the Broncos. But boy, wouldn't that be fun if he dominated the Broncos every single game and then crapped on them? Hey, I could have done this for you. Right now, he's not in a position to do that at two and seven. He did beat the Broncos, though. I will be waiting for that New England game, though. See what happens there. These are my personal bowl games. Yeah, That's all, Josh McDaniels up on, the, up on the dais. It's all about me. I hate Belichick. I don't want to be in his shadow anymore. His players came into the facility. They made themselves fresh drinks and ice cream cones. I don't think they did that. Do you think? I want revenge. That Belichick a couple of months ago was like, we're just going to ease into it. Let them do their thing, whatever. Yeah. And now he's at the, at the bullet, joint practice. And now bulletin board material. Remember what they did to us in the Legion in that preseason game. Those were a lot of our starters out there. My God. Oh that, yeah, that you know that that is one of the more depressing things about this season. What is that game going to mean? There's going to be more Raiders fans angry 
If they derail the Patriots in that game, but in doing so, blow their own draft position. <laughs> what a bizarre year. Everything turned on its ear. This blows. Marcus Arroyo Radio Show is coming up. It's time for UNLV football to get a couple of wins here down the stretch. They're at Hawaii, and then Nevada is here. So we'll break down the most recent game against Fresno. Look ahead to Hawaii. Stick around. Russ, Caleb, myself, and the coach.